Hello, I'm Gary Fogle. Welcome to Kentucky Sports Memories. Happy you could join me. And today our topic is Louis Dampier. As you know, if you were listening last week, the show was on Kaywood Ledford, so I thought we would just stick with the UK theme. Since Kaywood was the topic last week, we would do Louis this week, and next week we'll do Dan Issel. Now, just want to let you know that this is not a exclusive UK show. I will cover a variety of sports and variety of schools and variety of topics. Just happen to be on UK right now, simply because, as I said, Kaywood was the topic last week, so I figured Louie and Dan would tie in nicely with him. But after that, we'll be doing, I'll be doing shows on high school sports, on um, other colleges and other sports and things of that nature. So just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, we will not be exclusively UK. Just doing so these these uh, last week and the next couple of weeks. So again, today's topic is Louis Dampier. And for those of you who are not old enough to remember him, he was an outstanding guard for the University of Kentucky on its basketball team. He is from Indianapolis area, played high school ball up in the Indianapolis area. So you may be wondering, well, how did Kentucky get him? How did they convince him to come down here? And he'll talk about that when I have a phone discussion with him coming up here in just a little bit. But from the Indianapolis area, a hot shooting guard up there in high school, comes down to Kentucky. And when he played at UK, that was an era when freshmen were not eligible to play varsity. The freshmen could practice with varsity, and they had their own freshman team that they played some games, but you could not play varsity until you were a sophomore. So he only got three years as a varsity player. One other note, he was a multi-talented athlete. He also played baseball at UK. A lot of people don't realize that he was also a baseball player on the UK baseball team. And so when basketball season wrapped up, he jumped over and played with the baseball squad. But basketball is what he's known for, so that's that's what we'll stick to today. He was three-time All-SEC player, so his sophomore, junior year, all three years that he played varsity was All-SEC, and he was a two-time All-American. So he had quite the career. And Louie is still 12th on the all-time leading scorer list at Kentucky, and again, that's back when he only had three seasons of varsity eligibility and there was no three-point line. And Louis shot a good number of his a good number of his shots were taken from long range. So if the three-point line had existed back when he played college basketball, my guess is he would be well above that number 12 on the all-time scoring list. Matter of fact, if you look at players who only played three seasons of varsity basketball at UK, he would rank fifth. Uh, he would rank only behind Dan Issel, who, by the way, is the all-time leading scorer at UK. And uh, again, my the, the subject for the show next week, uh, he would rank behind Jamal Mashburn, Kevin Greavy, and Cotton Nash, among players who only got three years of varsity basketball. But he's 12th overall, but there was others that rank ahead of him all got four years of playing varsity basketball. So that was his college career. He's most notable for being a member of the Rupp's Runts, and they were called the Runts because that te- that year, that team, Radoff Rupp, he had no star, which was the 1965-66 season, um, which is what they're most famous for. That year, there was no starter taller than 6'5". 6'5 was their tallest starter, so that's why they were called the Runts. Ranked number one all year, going into the championship game. As many of you well know, they lost in that championship to Texas Western. It was an upset. Texas Western won it. 
And that game, of course, notable because Kentucky started an all-white lineup and Texas Western started an all-black lineup. And that was the first time in NCAA history that a team with an all-black lineup won the national championship. As you well know, again, uh, movies have been made about it, books have been written about it, and I will talk to Louie about that coming up here in the show in just a little bit. So that loss to Texas Western wrapped up his uh, junior season. Dampier comes back for his senior year, where again, he is an All-American, but Kentucky does not make it to the national championship game that year. So when he wraps up his career in 1967 at University of Kentucky, he goes on to professional basketball. And prior to then, the only pro league that existed was the NBA. But a new league was starting called the ABA, the American Basketball Association. And Kentucky had a team. It was uh, based in Louisville called the Kentucky Colonels. And Louis signed with the Colonels instead of going to the NBA. And the ABA was a rival league of the NBA. Eventually, four teams from that uh, league merged with the NBA. After nine seasons, the ABA folded and four teams merged with the NBA. The Colonels was not one of those teams. It was the San Antonio Spurs, the Denver Nuggets, the New York Nets, which which are now the Brooklyn Nets, and the Indiana Pacers. Those were the four teams. Louis did go on to play and finish out his career playing with the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA, but the bulk of his career, his professional career, was the nine seasons. He played for the Kentucky Colonels, and those were the nine seasons the ABA existed. He had uh, quite the career with the Colonels. As a matter of fact, when the league folded, he is the all-time leading scorer in ABA history. Uh, we will talk about the fact that others were gaining on him. Dan, uh, Dan Essel was gaining on him. Julius Dr. J. Irving was gaining on him. Those guys couldn't catch him before the league folded. I, I equate it to a horse being in the league, coming down the stretch, in a horse race, and, and a lot of horses are gaining on him, but they get to the finish line before they can catch him. And so Louie held on and is still the all-time leading scorer in ABA history. What's interesting is he's the all-time assist leader in ABA history. You would figure a guy who's the leading scorer wouldn't get that many assists because he's shooting all the time. But Louie's the also, also the all-time leading assist leader. He has the uh, most three-pointers in ABA history. Uh, most three-pointers made. He played in the most games in ABA history and also the most minutes played in that league. So he had a stellar career in the ABA. They won a championship in 1975. The Kentucky Colonels did. That was the year before the league folded. So Louis Dampier, superstar for the University of Kentucky Wildcats and a superstar for the Colonels, the Kentucky Colonels, and the American Basketball Association. He is my topic today, and we'll take a break. I'll come back and talk with Louie. Krista Schaus with United Way of Central Kentucky here in Elizabethtown. I just want to stop for a moment, tell everybody that if you're looking for help at this time, which for a lot of folks that can be food, it might be a, a bill payment, uh, you might need help with medicine, what you can do is you can call 211. That's just 211 and it's toll free, it's confidential. What they'll do is they'll ask you what your zip code is and they'll try to navigate resources for you. 
if that does not work because 211 is not the be all end all of help, please reach out to the United Way office at 270-737-6608. We are working from home, but the phones are routed directly to our cell phones. And so we're able to look through our resource guides and try to help give you further direction. But your first call should be to 211. And if all else fails, once again, the United Way office at 270-737-6608. Thank you. Be well. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle. Glad you could join me. And today's topic is Louis Dampier. Again, Louis was a two-time All-American for the University of Kentucky basketball program. He played under Adolph Rupp in the mid-60s and uh, was a member of the Rupp's Runts, that famous 65-66 season. Ranked number one all year long, but lost in the championship game to Texas Western. Louis went on from the University of Kentucky to play professional basketball for the Kentucky Colonels in the Old American Basketball Association. That league existed for nine years, and Louis played all nine seasons with the Colonels. And once the league folded, he uh, was picked up by the San Antonio Spurs, which was originally a team in the ABA, but joined the NBA when the uh, two team the two leagues merged. And he finished out his career with the Spurs. But the bulk of his career. And the highlight of his professional career was with the Colonels in the ABA. I recently spoke with a little Louis Dampier. They called him Little Louis because he was only six foot tall. We had a conversation about his college and professional career. First question is, if I have the story correct, back when you were playing high school basketball and Rupp came to watch you play, isn't there the story that you had a great first half and that's all he needed to see and then you had a lousy second half but he wasn't there to see it? Is that correct? Well, pretty much, yeah. Um, he, you know, usually he just relied on his recruiters um, to sign players, but he had never heard of me. And uh, In fact, they were up. The first uh, scout was up looking at a, a player at Columbus, Indiana, and he just said, are any more players around here I should go look at? And they said, well, Louis Dampier up the road, you might want to give him a look. So that's how Kentucky got interested in me. And um, the scout went back and told Rupp, but he he said he wanted to see me my, for himself. So he came up to a regional game at Butler Fieldhouse and I think I was eight or eight for ten nine for eleven the first half and he left and I didn't have such a good second half but I didn't expect to have two halves like that but that is the story that he came and watched me for a half and it was one of the best ones of my career so if the halves had been reversed if you'd have had the horrible first half and he left he may have never recruited you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he said, I don't want that kid. I'm leaving at halftime. You're right. I never thought of that. Who else was recruiting you? I mean, who was after you? Um, mostly, I didn't return letters. 
you know, because I, I thought I was going to go to Indiana. I always wanted to go there. Uh, so Butler showed a lot of interest, and that's about it. And I didn't get a lot of interest from Indiana. So when I went down to interview or to meet Branch McCracken, the coach, he's, he just said, well, um, I'm going to go talk to your uncle. Is my godfather, my Uncle Louie. He said, I'm going in here in my office and talk to him. He said, look over the facility. And it was nothing but a gym. So I went in and looked at the gym and came back and sat there about 20 minutes. And he came out and he said, uh, well, you have a scholarship here if you want it. And I thought, well, my uncle just talked him in. He doesn't really want me. So that's why I decided to visit Kentucky. And it's the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, it turned out pretty well for you. Not bad yeah. at all. <laughs> How was Rupp to play for? He he was a real disciplinarian. Uh, we had rules. We we could not talk in practice uh, un, unless we were asked a question. And uh, you know, if the thing about it was, I didn't have any problem because I was one of the guys that got to play. And, you know, back then we had the starting five, and and the starters played most of the game. And if anything, we had six or seven guys that would play. So uh, in that respect, uh, it was fine, but I really feel sorry for the guys that had to go through all the practices and everything else that we did, but... Uh, just sat on the bench during games and didn't get to play. You played in that championship game of 66 where you lost to Texas Western. Obviously a a bad memory for you, I'm sure, but that game became so notable because it was the first time a team that won the championship with all five, five black guys in the starting lineup. At the time, did you realize the significance of that moment, or did that dawn on you at, at that at that time? No, not at all. Um, all we did before the you know warming up and all that and preparing for the game was that it was another team, and we had played that year in the region. Uh, we played Michigan. I had Cassie Russell and and started at least three and maybe four black players. So it wasn't the first time that we had played against a, a team that a black team, black players dominated the starting lineup. But as far as the outcome of the game and, and the way people look at it, it's just it's kind of growing year by year to be more outstanding of a story. You finish up at UK, you go play for the Kentucky Colonels in a brand-new league. The ABA just started your rookie year as you come in. Did you ever consider playing in the NBA, or was it like, I'm going with the Colonels and that's it? What happened, I was drafted by the Cincinnati Royals. They had Oscar Robertson and Adrian Smith. Uh, But the thing is, even their number one draft choice, their first-round draft choice, had to try out. So uh, before you sign a contract with them, I don't know if the whole NBA was that way, 
but you had to come and try out for them. So the Colonels offered a contract, and that's that's the main reason I went with the Colonels because they they didn't have you try out and do all that other stuff. And I think Cincinnati's number one pick that year was Mel Daniels. So that might be the same reason that he signed with the ABA Pacers and instead of the NBA. How much money did you make that first year? I think I made uh, $12,500. <laughs> kind of pales in comparison to today. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> you are one of only two players in ABA history to play all nine seasons of the ABA existed with a team that didn't change names or change locations. Did, did you know that? Yes, yes. Do, do you know who the other player is? Yes, Byron Beck with uh, Denver. Well, they yes. changed. No, they didn't change their name till they went to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. They were the Denver Rockets when yeah. they were in the ABA. Yeah. Yes, yes. Byron Beck, I was curious if you would know that answer. So yeah. you're the all-time leader, and I don't have the stats in front of me. I know you're the all-time leading scorer uh, in the ABA history. Uh, guys, I, I laugh, and I think Issel has teased you about this because I believe he was gaining on you, Julius Irving was gaining on you, Kurt right. Irving were gaining on you, but the league folded before they could catch you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I, think, I think both of them had – we maybe had one more year and they would pass me. So, So – that and then, of course, I tell Dan that my scoring went down because I had to pass him the ball all the time. <laughs> or I used to be able to shoot it. Well, that was probably true. There's probably a lot of truth to that. But then Dan turns around and he says, all he did was rebound, throw me the ball, and set picks so I could shoot. <laughs> so he turns it around. <laughs> you were a very good shooter. Was that natural, or did you just – shoot all the time growing up as a kid? I had to develop it because until I was a sophomore in high school, I shot a two-handed shot over my head because I grew up, you know, watching high school ball and my, uh, especially my future brother-in-law and his brother, and they, they had, they shot at two hands right from their forehead. And I shot it that way until my sophomore year, and I cannot tell you what changed me to a one-handed shot. Uh, it might be that I was watching Indiana games on TV and and saw those players like Jimmy Rail and them shooting that way. So anyway, my, my freshman coach came out, and I was shooting around. My sophomore year, my freshman coach walked out and he said, "Where'd you get that shot?" Yeah, you know, because as a freshman, I still shot a two-hander over my head. During your playing days, especially with the Colonels, you were known as Little Louie. Did you like that nickname? <laughs> um, it. I didn't even think anything of it. Um, so no, it didn't bother me. But I, I was little compared to the big guys. Yeah, well, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> you, 
you finally you got close to winning a championship in the ABA in the early 70s, and finally in 75, you win one. Was that more exhilaration or more relief to finally get the pressure off? And that was the greatest thing that ever happened in my sports career because high school and college, uh, well, I didn't come close in high school to win the state tournament, but and then the runner-up game in college. But I finally, in 75, won a championship and was really that was the third most happy I've been in my life. What's the two that ranked before it? Well, I usually don't tell people, but I can now. Is the birth of my daughter and my son. Oh, very good, very good. So you win the championship in 75, and right after that, Issel not only gets, he doesn't get traded, he gets basically sold. But anyway, he's he's gone from the team, and, and you and Dan were extremely close. So how tough was that for you? Well, personally, like you said, we were best friends. So I was losing him in that respect, but also um, we were losing the main clog of our team. And uh, we just weren't ever the same that year without Dan. Well, after the ABA folds following the 76 season, your career is winding down. And you're getting up there in the years a little bit, but you do go to the ABA, play for the San Antonio Spurs to wrap up your career. Did you think at all about, ah, maybe I'll just call it quits before going to the NBA, or, or or was it like never a doubt in your mind you were going to make that move? Uh, never a doubt. Uh, I wanted to play so bad. I, I love playing basketball. and um, I was very fortunate to be picked by a team, a former a- ABA team in the Spurs, so... It wasn't like going to the Celtics or an, an established NBA team where I, I wouldn't know anybody. So it all worked out for me. We'll step aside from our conversation for just a moment. But when we come back, I'll talk with Louie about the fact that he continued to play a lot of basketball for a lot of years after he retired from professional basketball. He just loves the game so much. And I'll talk to him about what he's doing these days. So stick around. More of my conversation with Louis Dampier when we come back. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I grow trail. Up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a I sunny porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be. 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. 
A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle. Thank you so much for joining me for this show. And our topic today has been Louis Dampier, a two-time All-American at the University of Kentucky, played under Adolph Rupp in the mid-60s, a member of the Rupp's Runts, was on that team that uh, went to the championship in 1966 and lost to Texas Western after the Wildcats had been ranked number one in the country. So a bitter loss for them and losing in that championship game. Went from there to play for the Kentucky Colonels, played all nine seasons, the ABA existed, and played all nine years with the Kentucky Colonels. And he, when the league folded, he was the league's all-time leading scorer, league's all-time leading assist person, um, played the most games in league history, the most minutes in league history, and uh, scored the most three-pointers. Remember, or you may not remember, back then, the ABA is what introduced the three-point shot to professional basketball. Well, as a matter of fact, they introduced the three-point shot period because it did not exist in the NBA. It did not exist in college ball. It did not exist in high school. ABA is what brought the three-point shot into existence, and they did it when the league started back in 1967. So Louis Dampier is my subject. We've talked about his career with the University of Kentucky. We've talked about his career with the Kentucky Colonels. Now he moves into retirement, so we'll pick up our conversation from there. After you wrapped up, you played like old man men's league basketball for years. Uh, Are you still doing that? Um, No, I haven't for, well, about five and a half years now. I, I played one game. Um, when I was over 70. So I could just say that I played played basketball in, in my 70s, <laughs> at least one game. So, um, And it's amazing. I didn't think I would do it, but I, I hardly, except when I used to shoot with my, with my grandson. And back then I could beat him at horse, but I haven't played against him in about three years because – uh, there's no way I could beat him now. <laughs> well, when you were still playing in men's leagues in your, say, your 60s, when you were playing on a regular basis, were you still competitive? Could you play with those younger guys? In my 60s, I started, I think we started playing three-on-three. Three. So three-on-three, three, like three-on-three, half-court? Half-court, yeah. Yeah. But... I, I think for I think I did play well. Then I pick up games though. I didn't play in the league, but I I like I said I played up until I was seventy in the pickup games. So and that was full court. But uh, yeah, I I I kind of took it easy. You asked me if it if I was competitive and. Um, I could play pretty well, still shoot, but I became a passer. (laughs) I didn't have to work to get open for shots. (laughs) You you don't play full-time anymore. You don't play anymore. Do you still work out? Are you still in pretty good shape? Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's a quick Uh, honest answer. Yeah, I I try to take a, a walk every day. 
but that that's about the extent of my exercise now. So what keeps you busy? What are you into these days? My wife said, my wife Judy said that I'm I was born to be retired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't do a whole lot. I I enjoy watching TV and and uh, the thing that was keeping me busy was the grandchildren are twins, a boy and a girl, and they turned 14. And she plays volleyball, and he is plays basketball year round. So uh, that's what kept that kept me that what kept me going is going to watch them play. And that's now this virus thing. You know they're not allowed to play, so I'm really lazy. But I got it. Well, when everything gets back to normal, do you watch? A lot of sports on TV, in particular basketball, college basketball, uh, NBA. Do you watch a lot of that? Yes. Um, I, I like all sports. And like I said, I, I like to watch TV. So um, I'm really missing it now. But, yeah, when they come back, well, like now I watch golf <laughs> because it's about the only thing that's on. What Are you, are you playing any golf? Do you do any of that? No, uh, not anymore. And I, I was getting away from golf. I, I played in charity outings, uh, and my wife and I played once a week for a while. And then she had an accident, <clears throat> couldn't play for a while. So we've just about given up golf. I got you. Well, at least you still got the lawn to mow. You've got that to look yeah. forward to. <laughs> That's terrible when you look forward to going. I have three acres, so I have quite a bit to cut. But that's terrible when you you think, well, I can go cut grass, man. I have something to do. Louie, <laughs> I appreciate your time. Okay, Gary. My conversation with Louie Dampier, and I appreciate him taking time away from watching golf on TV and, uh, and mowing his grass so we could have a conversation. I thought I'd also talk with others who were around Louis, at least one other person who was around Louis quite a bit, and that would be Lloyd Gardner. Many of you know Lloyd as a former basketball coach here in Kentucky, former high school basketball coach. He was an assistant for that uh, Fairdale team that won back-to-back state championships in 90 and 91, and then he was the head coach of Fairdale when they won it again in 94. Prior to all that, back in the late 60s, when he had first gotten out of college, was getting into coaching and teaching, he also worked as a trainer for the Kentucky Colonels, you know, taping ankles and looking after injuries for the players. So he got to know all the Colonel players very well. Obviously, he got to know Louis Dampier very well. So I had a conversation with Lloyd Gardner about Louis Dampier. Well, I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to give you my reason for the statement. Then I want to hear your opinion. Okay. So here's my statement. My statement is, if you had to pick one player as the face of the ADA, I would think it would be Louis Dampier. And here's my reason. I know Dr. J's probably, you know, Julie Serving's probably the most famous player to ever come out in the ADA. Uh, Dan Issel's probably second most famous. Uh, maybe George Gervin. 
But Dampier was the guy who played the entire time the ABA existed. He was a consistent, really good player every year of the league, and he was with the same team for the entire time the league existed. So that's why I think he would be the face of the ABA. Well, Gary, I don't think there's any question he is the face of the ABA. He was one of only two players that played all nine seasons and played those nine seasons with one one team, and that is Byron Beck, who played for the Denver Rockets and then the Denver Nuggets. So, uh, and of course, Louie holds so many records in the record book uh, from the beginning to the end. And, you know, very few people remember that far back that, Louis was actually in the in the reserves, the Army Reserves, and stationed at Fort Knox. So he he started out the season only playing on weekends. He came up on weekends when he would get a furlough and play for the Colonels. But if it was a weeknight game, he very seldom got off till uh, probably the first month or so of the season. I did not know that about him. That's news to me. I didn't realize was that just just the first season only. Yes, just the first season. Uh, that was 1967-68. What was Louie like to be around in the locker room and at practice? Uh, absolutely fabulous. Absolutely nothing that uh, uh, ever asked for anything, nothing special, uh, just a very special person, uh, uh, very witty but very calm uh, at his wit. And uh, not many people like him. Probably the most humble person I've ever met in my life. Uh, back when guys were making thirty, forty thousand dollars, Louis would turn down a five hundred dollar speaking engagement because he really didn't like to get in front of crowds. He would speak on the phone. He would do those things on radio, but he didn't like speaking in front of big crowds. He asked you to one thing for him that I think is very interesting. He asked you to create a longer tail on his uniform. Yes, so he did. It wouldn't come out of his uh, come out of his shorts, correct? Louis was uh, really particular about his uniform. Uh, probably more particular than anybody, but he never did it in a demanding way. He never did it in a, I have to have this. He he would just say, "My shirt tail keeps coming out. Can you borrow? Can you put another tail on it?" So I actually have that jersey here in my collection where we added like a seven inch tail to the back. I took a I took another jersey that I had and wasn't using. I had an extra one and uh we cut the tail off of it and extended uh down the back so his shirt tail wouldn't come off. Another interesting thing, in the seventy five, seventy six season, that was the first year that the mass uniforms came out. And Louis wore his new mesh uniform the jersey and trunks, and came to me after the first game. He says, I need my trunks from last year. I can't dry my hands on this slick mesh, and I like to wipe my hands on my trunks. So he wore his 74-75 trunks during the 75-76 season, and they were totally, totally different. Same pattern, same stripes, everything matched. You could only see it if you were up close, but uh, he didn't like those mesh uniforms. Getting back to sewing his longer tail on his jersey, you didn't realize when you signed up to be a trainer that you also had to be a seamstress. <laughs> well, you know, you were a trainer, an equipment manager, and a travel secretary. You did all three of those jobs. And and uh, today, that's probably five or six people in the NBA, but that's that's what we did back then. We took care of the uniforms. We, 
We took care of all the travel arrangements, and I had to know who wanted to sit with who on the plane, who wanted an aisle seat, who wanted a room together, who didn't want a room together, who had the same habits. Dan and Louie roomed together the entire time that Dan and Louie were together with the Kentucky Colonels. Uh, maybe on an occasion if one of them got sick or something, the other one maybe switched up a roommate for a trip. But uh, on the whole, 99.9% of the time, those two guys were roommates as long as Dan was here until he got traded to the Baltimore Claws, of course, from there to Denver before they ever played a game. Now, getting back to that story, Lloyd told me about having to sew the longer tail onto a jersey for Louie so the jersey wouldn't come out of his shorts during the game. I asked Louie about that. I was talking with Lloyd Gardner about you and Dan, and he told me the story about how you did not like your shirt tail coming out of your shorts, so you had him tie or sew on an extension to your jersey so it would stay down in in your shorts during the course of a game. But <laughs> do you remember that? No, I don't. You don't even remember because he's actually got a jersey in his basement that he showed it to me and said, "See, this is where Louis didn't like his jersey coming out of his shorts." So he asked me to sign, uh, create an extension, which he did, and showed it to me. And I thought, that's, that's... <laughs> and you don't even remember that. No, I don't. <laughs> find it interesting that Louie has no recollection of him requesting that or Lloyd custom-making that jersey for him because I have seen it. Lloyd has it in his basement. Lloyd has a huge collection of Kentucky Colonel paraphernalia, uh, old uniforms, warm-up jerseys, shorts. Um, he has the benches from the locker room, and I have seen that jersey that he custom-made for Louie with the longer tail, but Louie has no recollection of it. So anyway, we will move on to our next segment. And in my next segment, I want to talk to the person who I know is the biggest Louie Dampier fan of all time. I know of no one greater than this guy. And we'll visit with him when I come back. So please stay with me. I'm Gary Fogel. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. Krista Schaus with United Way of Central Kentucky here in Elizabethtown. I just want to stop for a moment, tell everybody that if you're looking for help at this time, which for a lot of folks that can be food, it might be a, a bill payment, uh, you might need help with medicine, what you can do is you can call 211. That's just 211 and it's toll free, it's confidential. What they'll do is they'll ask you what your zip code is and they'll try to navigate resources for you. If that does not work because 211 is not the be all end all of help, please reach out to the United Way office at 270-737-6608. We are working from home, but the phones are routed directly to our cell phones. And so we're able to look through our resource guides and try to help give you further direction. But your first call should be to 211. And if all else fails, once again, the United Way office at 270-737-6608. Thank you. Be well. 
Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle. Thank you for joining me for this show. And we move into our fourth and final segment. And in this segment, uh, I talk to a fan, a Louis Dampier fan. I grew up a Louis Dampier fan. I was 13 years old when the Colonels won the championship back in 1975. I don't remember Louie as a college basketball player because it wasn't old enough. I wasn't following sports at that time. But I do remember when they won the championship in 75. I was 13. It was, as a fan, it's been my greatest moment as a sports fan in my life. First of all, because I was still pretty young at the time. And I think sports and, and championships and things of that nature or a bigger deal to you when you're a kid. Secondly, I was at that game. I was in Freedom Hall. I was up in the rafters, but I was there in the building the night they won that championship. So that was special. Growing up and as an elementary school kid, I followed the Colonels. My dad took my brothers and I to a few games, just a very few handful of games. We lived just south of Bardstown, so it was about an hour, hour and a half drive up to Louisville. So we'd go to three or four games a year and see the Colonels play. I had a elementary school buddy who's still a friend of mine to this day. His name is Jesse Godby, and uh, Jesse was a little guy, uh, even back then compared to the other guys in our class. I think he's taller than me now, but he, he hit his growth spurt late, but he was a little guy, and he loved basketball. He was a diehard UK fan, but a diehard, diehard Kentucky Colonel fan, and I know of no one who loved Louis Dampier more than he did when we were kids growing up. So I gave Jesse a call, and, and we talked about how much he was a fan of Little Louis. All right, Jesse, my first question is, why were you such a huge fan of Louis? Why him over everybody else? I think because growing up, I was a little guy, and he was Little Louis, and I, basically I think I identified with that. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I admired his game. Obviously, he was a great player, and it's just somebody I wanted to be like when I grew up, and, and that's just just the way it happened. Just the way it happened. And you weren't old enough to remember him at UK, so you didn't really fall in love with him until he got to the Kentucky Colonels. Correct. That is correct, yes. And my, I've got older brothers, and they were all Colonels fans, so... I grew up naturally watching them, and, and again, you know, he was Little Louie, and that's just who I was drawn to and just who I tried to, and I hate to say emulate my game <laughs> because I never really had a game, <laughs> but that's who I wanted to be. So when you were in the backyard or wherever shooting on a goal, you pretended you were Louis Dampier? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes, yes. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done when you were a kid, you know, like a jersey, uh, mm. a picture, or whatever that you did that uh, showed your fandom? Uh, when I was in elementary school, our class were making uh, was making Christmas tree ornaments, and you could make anything you wanted, anything, anybody, just whatever you wanted. Well, I decided to make a Louis Dampier Christmas tree ornament. And that ornament adorned our Christmas tree for probably 20 to 25 years. <laughs> it, it hung there for many, many years. And I was always pretty proud of that. And it, it had his Colonel's number 10 jersey, Dampier on the back, and, of course, had his trademark mustache. And 
It was pretty cool. And my sister, little sister, just the other day said something about, do you still have that Louis Dampier ornament? I said, no, sadly, no. I, I would like to find that, though, but I'm sure it's long gone. <laughs> do you remember weird stats about him? Not necessarily weird stats, but I do to this day. Every year, I remember his birthday, November 20th. Why would you know that? Uh, well, I learned it looking at the back of a basketball card that I had of him. And, you know, it said his birthday was November 20th, and, and it just always stuck with me. So when you had the opportunity to uh, get a locker, uh, get a, a jersey, get anything, did you try to get anything that resembled or had some significance to the number 10? Everything. Everything. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm blessed with a daughter and a son. And uh, my daughter, uh, her her birthday is the 11th day of the month. And my son's is the ninth day of the month. And, of course, my favorite number all my life has been number 10 because of Louie. And, and she's like, you know, Dad, you know, it ought to be number, uh, number 9 or number 11, you know. And I'm like, well, honey, I said, add them up. 9 plus 11 is 20 divided by 2. What do you got? So... <laughs> I mean, you just can't deny it. It's number ten. I'm I'm the tenth born child of my family, um, but all that the reason is Louis Dancer. That is the reason to this day I love number ten, and always will. On my Twitter account, uh, uh, up the top there, I've got Louis doing the Y at Rupp Arena. That's that's been the top of my Twitter account for quite a while. <laughs> Do your kids and your wife think you're nuts? Uh, probably weird. not. They think you're weird. Well, they do, but not because of anything Louis Dampier uh, related. Uh, now, if they could go back in time uh, when I was a child, and they saw, and of course back then, you know, I, I I was poor, and you know, so I got my posters or pictures or what have you of uh, Louis out of the Courier Journal that my family were, you know, subscribers of, and I would, you know, every time Louis was in there, that picture would. Cut, be cut out of the paper, and it would just be all over my wall. So all my wall, you know, space that I had, which was limited <laughs> due to due to the overcrowding in the family, but uh, it was definitely, definitely, uh, uh, um, you know, Louis, everything Louis. Dedicate to Louis, that's what I'm trying to It took quite a few years for him to get into a Hall of Fame, and eventually he got there. Yes. That probably was a big day for you. It absolutely was. It absolutely was, yeah. And well-deserved honor, might I add. You know, I think uh, guys like Louie and Dan Issel, you know, for that matter, you know, the big horse, I mean, I think their careers somewhat suffered and maybe they didn't get the um, attention and appreciation that they deserved because they did split their careers by the, you know, between the ABA and the NBA. Well, Jess, great talking with you. I'll let you go. Uh, I appreciate it, Gary. Great talking to you, buddy. My good friend, Jesse Godby, my thanks to him. Uh, Jesse and I have been friends since, as I mentioned, elementary school. And when we were kids and Kentucky Colonels were in existence, Jesse knew everything about Louis Dampier. And, yes, he is accurate. He cut out pictures constantly of Louis in action out of the local newspaper. 
and would uh, tape them up on his wall, and those were his posters back when Louie played, and Jesse was such a huge fan. Jesse also touched on the fact that, uh, and we talked about the fact that he went into the Hall of Fame, went in five years ago in 2015. Many people thought that was a snub, that he should have gone in much sooner than that, but uh, I guess it falls in the better late than never category. Louis Dampier did finally get into the Hall of Fame, voted in, and went in in 2015. So that's our show on Louis. As I mentioned, coming up next week, our topic is going to be Dan Issel. Dan also played at the University of Kentucky, and he also played for the Kentucky Colonels. Interestingly, even though Dan and Louis became great friends, they never played together at UK. They practiced together because when Dan was a freshman, Louis was a senior. So they got to practice together. But again, as I mentioned, and many of you know, back then, Freshmen were ineligible to play varsity. They could only play, uh, they could only practice with the varsity, and they played with their own freshman team, but they could not play with the varsity team in competition. So Louie and Dan practiced together for a year, but they never played together on the floor when they were both at UK. But uh, they played together for multiple years when Dan got drafted by the Kentucky Colonels, signed with the Colonels. And he and Louie were teammates there. So, again, that's my show this week. Please join me again next week when we talk with Dan Essel and Joby Hall. That'll be our topic. I hope you'll check back with me then. Until that time, I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. Mm-hmm.